0: helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before him, them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. But Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, from the cloud of voice said, This is my son, beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus ordered them. Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. So, when I left here two years ago, I uh, had a number of projects I really wanted to work on. One of them was a guide on how to study the Bible. I got a number of people here in in the Bible class to to be readers for that project, to to help me see what what other people thought about it. I got a number of people elsewhere that all said they would do it. I think I got about 50 people in all. So anyway, I wrote the first two drafts, and when I was comfortable with it, I sent it out to people. And, And most people were sort of appreciative of what I was saying. However, this is big, however, they, they, they really objected to a little bit of the ponderousness of it. One person said, who's an academic themselves, said to me, It sounds like you're writing a PhD dissertation. That's not the audience you want. Another person said to me, This is so stilted. And a final person said to me, This is like dry toast. <laughs> So, well, I figured I'd I better revise it. So, I've revised it five more times now. And I've got most of this stuff out of there. But one part that I left was a part that, for me, is very important. I think it uh, really has meaning for us on this Sunday of the Transfiguration. George Lindbeck is, was a re, uh, the retired professor of, of uh, Christian theology. Uh, from Yale University. I got to know him well in the 1990s because he did not drive, and I would occasionally drive him to some of the clergy conferences that we had. So I had an opportunity to talk with him you know, on these times when I would chauffeur him around. He wrote a book that's very influential for me. As a matter of fact, I could even say it helped me see Jesus differently. And in this book, Lindbeck said there were three things that guided the early Christians when they thought about Jesus. First of all, they, they understood and they, they all proclaimed that Jesus, the God of Jesus, was also the God of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. But the God of Jesus, not some different God, but the very same God who was there for, for Abraham. And for Moses, and for all those who came before him. The second insight they had was that even though Jesus came from God, he was not half God, half human, but rather 100% human and 100% God. And that means, in the mystery of the incarnation, that he fully had the range of human emotion, fully had the range of human ha- a- action that all of us have. That he was literally born, literally walked this earth, literally died. He was not some spirit, not some figment of their imagination. But as the priest says, true God, true man. The last thing that 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 Lindbeck talks about. is a rather tough little subject. You couldn't even find an easy way of saying it. But essentially, Lindbeck said, that the third thing that the Christians believed back when, when Christianity was first being established was anything that they could say about Jesus that was not in conflict with the idea that the God that they worshipped was still the same God and that Jesus was truly human as well as truly God. Anything like that should and could be ascribed to Jesus. We see this today in our lesson where Jesus upon the mountaintop is transfigured before his disciples. What what do disciples mean? What What does the book mean when it talks about the transfiguration? All three of the Gospels that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, not John. The three Gospels that talk about this appear once each year <coughs> to talk about the Transfiguration. And although the, um, the, the three different versions are very similar, there are some nuances that are I think are helpful for us here. First of all, Matthew and Mark call it the Transfiguration. The word that they use is the word metamorphosis, which you've ever read Kafka, uh, is the title of this book where a man wakes up one morning and found that he's changed into a cockroach. But metamorphosis, when you think about it, literally means a change in form. And so when, when Jesus changes his form before the or transfigures, is another way of saying it. They see him in a different light. Luke goes so far to say it's not really a transfiguration, but rather Luke calls it you know, a perceptible difference in the way that he looks. Luke doesn't try to define it. He just describes it. Now as Jesus is transfigured, the disciples are filled with awe and wonder. And when the voice comes from the clouds saying, This is my son, believe in him, they fall down, shocked, and they are very afraid until Jesus says to them, Get up, everything's okay, let's go down the mountain. It's here where the second difference among the three versions happens. And to me, Matthew is most helpful for us in understanding what is going on. Because as they're coming down the mountain, Jesus says to them, Tell no one about the vision you saw. Tell no one about the vision you saw. So what exactly is that vision? How should we how should we uh, understand it? The first way is to say that they were See a literal transfiguration that the change was so real that they could not help otherwise understand it, and that is helpful. But to me, that's complete. Another way of looking at it: some people who study people like Joseph Campbell would say, "Well, you know, there are a lot of stories in religions about gods who come to earth, and, and this." is a kind of a form of motif that we see in a lot of religions. So one way is to say this is a common motif. And although it may be common, it's not, that's not the most helpful way of, of dealing with it either. Maybe the third way is the way that Matthew suggests for us when Jesus tells his disciples, tell no one about the vision you have seen. Until... The Son of Man, that is Jesus, is risen from the dead. Well, what exactly is a vision? What does it mean to have a vision? It seems to me that a vision is nothing more or nothing less than a way of seeing that changes the way we think about things. Once we have a vision, we can't unsee it, and once we can't unsee it, we cannot undo what happens in our lives because of that vision. Now, this vision does not have to be a, uh, a, a religious vision at all. I'm of the generation that, when I hear the word vision, um, I set, or visions, I suddenly start humming "Hollow Darkness," my old friend. I've come to talk to you again because the vision is softly creeps <laughs> up the seas while I'm sleeping. The vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. A vision that you get that is so stark, so strong, that you can't forget. I would say that this is the vision that these disciples have. One that's so strong, so stark, that it changes them so they, they can't see the world differently. But think about Martin Luther King in his I Had a Dream speech, where he stands up there before thousands of people and says that he has a vision, a dream, that all people are God's children, and that all children, black, white, will be able to sit down next to one another and care for one another because they are God's children. His vision put his action, put himself into action to show what that vision could do for the world. But what about us? How do we have visions to see what God wants us to do? Can we even have a vision about what God wants us to do? In the New York Times, they have a Regular column, it's not every week, but they have a column called Metropolitan Diary. And in that column, they invite readers to write in a quote, dear diary, uh, you know, article about something that, they, that, that has changed their life and, and they publish the best one. In one article a few years ago, there was a young woman. She happened to be uh, uh, a writer and editor and, you know, of course, living in New York City. And she would go out for lunch, you know, and, uh, and this, she kept on seeing this one homeless man. And he was begging for money from other people. And she kept on, every time she would pass him, and he didn't ask her for money. He would just, you know, literally, you know, wiped the sweat off her brow and said, he missed me this time. But this one day, she had a little bit of extra money in her pocket, and he confronted her and said, can you help me get something to eat? And she said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't I take you over to this Chinese restaurant right here on the corner, and I'll buy you something to eat. I won't give you money, but I'll buy you something to eat. And guy said, okay. So he ordered and she ordered. They sat down at the table. And he sat there and looked at his food. And looked at his food. And looked at his food. And And she said, aren't you going to eat it? He said, said, well I used to come in here before I was deployed. This is one of my favorite places. I just want to savor the food visually before I eat it because it's been so long. Deployed. This man who's looking so scruffless served our country on my behalf. She suddenly saw him. She had a vision not of some bump standing on the corner, but rather a real-life person. But because we don't do a good job with our returning veterans, was now homeless. That's what it means to have a vision. Change. I've been talking to a woman in her, who was in her 40s who really had a bad alcohol addiction. She admits that she was an alcoholic. It took her 15 years
1: finally come to grips
0: with it. In the meantime, she, she you know, broke up with her husband, he broke up with her because of her addiction. She lost custody of her kids for a while, and she even got uh, separated from her family. Five years ago, in desperation, she started to go to AA. And had a good sponsor. And worked hard at First of all, with the first step, believing that there was a power higher than her that could take care of her life, and each time she would get one of the tokens that they had—token for one day sober, token for one week sober, token for one month sober, token for one year sober—each one of them she kept in a little purse in her pocket to remind her that there was a vision of her beyond what she was seeing of herself. Now that she's five years sober, she's reconnected to family. She's reconnected to friends. And as she's told me, she now has a vision of herself as a whole person, loved by God
1: and loved
0: by other she had that vision that she could be whole she is now acting like she is whole even though she has a long way to go I left out part of that last verse that Jesus says to his disciples tell no one about the vision until the son of man returns Indeed, the disciples do tell the whole world about this one who is not only who they saw in this beautiful vision of the Son of God, but also saw, in the ultimate way, as the one who had risen from the dead. And we've been passed that vision onto us. Given that vision as a sign of God's love, we care for That vision has changed me. I hope it changes you too. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you are loved.